Hey, 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 this is Dr. Sue in Atlanta. How you guys doing? And ladies, always, my ladies and my gentlemen, how are you doing? Welcome again to the Pivot to Greatness podcast. This is the space where we support you. We believe that greatness is your birthright. You get to choose. We don't try to tell you what greatness looks like. You get to choose that for yourself. Greatness is unique to the individual. So on this program, we have a, a variety of guests. We have all kind of content. Sometimes we'll talk about movies. Sometimes we'll talk about books. Sometimes we'll talk about quotes. But always we will bring on phenomenal men and women who will share their stories. These people are just like me and just like you. The big thing for all of us is that they have made an intentional decision to live extraordinary lives. And that's what we're here to help support, to support you and help you to do, if that is your choice. One of the things we remind you of though, greatness is your birthright, but it comes at a cost. You got to do some investment, invest in yourself. All too often, we give it to everybody else, but not to ourselves. So here, we encourage you to be, as my friend says to me, go be great, and we're going to help you do it. So our guest today, I am so excited to have her. When I saw her response to the questionnaire, I thought, my audience needs to hear from this lady, hear from this lady, and her name is Terry Hunter. Hi, Terry. How are you? Hi, Dr. Sue. Thanks for having me today. So I'm excited so, to talk to you. I'm so excited to have you here. Listen, y'all, here's the thing that struck me about her. I see this picture of this woman and she's hanging from the face of a mountain. Now, do you know anybody that hangs from the face of a mountain? I don't. I said, this is somebody that we need to have a conversation with. So uh, when I read her application, I was struck by the label. You know, we all have labels, things that we call ourselves. And uh, Terry says that she is a life adventurer. That in itself sounded so cool. And I thought, I don't know what that means, but I'm going to ask her to share. So Terry, tell us all about this life adventurer. Tell us about what you do. Where are, where, where do you come from? Tell, just connect with us. Well, the life adventuring started really young. I, at three years old, I wandered away from my mother's home, my parents' home, and uh, was found a couple of kilometers down the road by the dry cleaner man who brought me back to the house and said, lady, is this yours? <laughs> so I've been adventuring since at least three. And uh, you know, right now I'm in Greece. I'm here rock climbing. My my I call it my craft. I love it. I love I love um practicing being fearless every day. Like practicing courageousness is really important to me. And I'm not always courageous, sometimes I'm a chicken. But I like to try to practice it and notice when I am scared and notice when I am bold and what it, what it takes to be bold. And um, yeah, rock climbing changed my life. I, I, it was one of my biggest uh, tools and uh, therapies. And um, it's been a long journey. I, uh, I was well into my mid 40s believing that I wasn't even capable of rock climbing. I thought I had no talent for it. And I took a trip to Thailand and I met the right people who encouraged me. And I realized I just have to practice a lot and I get better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One, of, one of the uh, signs that I have on my wall, I guess it's, you would call it my mantra is practice, 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 because truly we're not born doing these things, but we, if we have a passion for them, or even if we want to develop a, a passion for them, the thing is to decide on what I want. You may not even know what it looks like in the final analysis, but if I want to go in this direction, I got to practice doing it in order to get there. Exactly. So I went from thinking I had no talent to like realizing, oh, I can do this. And I built so much confidence. I remember the first time I did a really challenging climb and some of the people that were way more experienced than me were struggling and I did it. And I'm like, 
I grew three inches. Like I suddenly like, I can do this. Wow. Wow. You know, I stayed in Thailand a couple of months and I built a lot of confidence that winter. And it, it was, it was, it changed everything in my life. Some things that I was putting up with that I didn't need to, that confidence carried into every part of my life. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, I noticed in your, your questionnaire that when you talked of your challenge and, and I'm assuming that perhaps incorrectly, but I'm assuming that when you talk about therapy and putting up with some things that perhaps you shouldn't have been putting up with, that that's what you are referring to. So can you share with the listeners what your challenge was? Yeah. Um, Well, let's go back to 2004. I was in a very dysfunctional relationship. Um, It was toxic and um, it actually, um, like I remember a month before my 40th birthday, my boyfriend um, in an anger, a moment of anger, he punched me in the face and and we, uh, I didn't want the relationship to end. So we ended up going to counseling for six mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. and uh, therapy, like with, this, uh, with a really good uh, psychologist, but, you know, we learned a lot of tools, but the underlying problem his drinking was never addressed and finally through the confidence I built through climbing and traveling I I gave him an ultimatum like you need to stop drinking or I have to leave this relationship Mm -hmm. and he couldn't stop at that moment so I left and that was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life because I really loved this man and it, it was a long time coming. Like I was, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. A lot of in and out of the relationship. But I finally did it. And um, six months later, he got himself into a, a treatment center. And, you know, that was 2004, 17 years ago. And he hasn't drank or smoked pot since. And he was chronic at both. So that I... Feel like I gave him a gift too, like by leaving and myself a gift, freedom. And that's my biggest value is freedom. Um, I, I can't let my relationship with a man be more important than my relationship with me. I'll speak truth. That is absolutely true. And, you know, for myself, I, it's been a journey as well. And I have had to travel that journey to returning to me and with that in order to do that I found that you have to sit still and really just look at who you are and and kind of examine well how did I get to be this way right and so often that involves that's a scary thing it's it's scary to look at the person in the mirror and, and, and really acknowledge that, yeah, I got a pimple here and I got one there. And, and then to have to do something about it. Um, and so often you said you were, you know, you guys went to therapy for six years and it made me think about, I was in a relationship for, 20 years that I knew was not a workable relationship, but I kept trying to make it work. Yeah. And yeah. when and it ended, I still loved the person, but what the relationship was doing to me was not evidence of love, of me loving me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think that's a hard thing sometimes for, and it doesn't matter whether you're a male or female. This is a human thing that sometimes we find ourselves in places and spaces that our mind says we should get out, but our heart says stay in, and therein mm-hmm. is the struggle. Yeah, I when I left that relationship, I remember writing a poem, and one of the lines was, "I'm not feeling smart, tricked by my heart." Mm. <laughs> That's pretty deep, right there. So when you quote unquote came up for air, 
and realize that this is not the me that I want to be anymore. If I'm going to have a different outcome, then I've got to do something different. So that's your pivot point. What did, what were you feeling? How did you, when you told him either do something different, get, you know, get your act together or I'm out, what were you feeling in that moment? Well, that's a good question. I guess I was feeling like if I said that, then I had to follow through. Mm -hmm. So I think I was feeling scared that, but I was also kind of like knowing that whatever happened needed to happen. Mm -hmm. I was, I was feeling quite trusting in whatever happened was the right thing. What was there, was there kind of a sense of, well, yes, I'm afraid and no, I don't know what's going to happen, but there's something in me that's kind of inching toward it, right? Uh, yeah. There's a, a little excitement with the fear, but a little excitement. There was excitement for sure. Yeah. I, I don't remember being terrified by the thought, just like, well, this is it. <laughs> like, this will tell it, what I have to do. Like there was confidence in the, the statement mm -hmm. that, you know, you have to stop doing or have to leave. I had a lot of confidence in what I was doing. Um, at so that that, point. That's amazing. What is amazing to me. And I'm thinking back to your statement that you were able to stand in your power and be confident at that point as a result of the, the confidence that you had gained through rock climbing. Can you speak to that a little bit? Well, rock climbing, you face your fears every time you go out there. Um, and it's like a conversation with the rock. I call it chess on the rock. Um, if you're really listening, it's just you and the rock, right? And it's telling you how to move and where to move. Wow. It's intuitive. And if you can ignore the thoughts of, oh my God, you're going to fall. You're going to hurt yourself. And this is all like sport climbing is not as dangerous as most people think. Like you have a good person on the bottom holding your rope. You've got good equipment and the falls, you might fall a few meters, but it's usually soft and it's, mm -hmm. it's imaginary risk. Most mm -hmm. of the time. And but if you can listen to your body and to how the rock is asking you to move, then you can get into this creative problem solving state, which is flow, I believe. And one good decision leads to another good decision. And suddenly you're moving like, so like a, a dancer on the rock, like it's, <laughs> it's just a dance and you're part of it. And sometimes I've been in that state and I've been like, it's like I'm watching myself. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm doing it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, a little bit of fear sometimes, but ignoring the fear. Um, as soon as you start thinking, then your thoughts definitely get in the way. Like you can't, you can't be in that um, left side of the brain. Mm -hmm. So I often sing because singing is one of the activities that uses both sides of the brain at once, mm -hmm. and it calms me. My first. Uh, time I started this habit of singing was in Thailand um, and they were playing Bob Marley a lot on the beach. Don't worry about a thing. So I got in the habit of singing this song whenever I was scared and it was like magic. It was my secret weapon. Suddenly I was just moving to the music and maybe it's because of figure skating background and there was rhythm in my movement and you know the fear didn't have room to come in. It was just me and the rock and my singing. And I could hear my voice when it got stressed. And I'm like, okay, I'm a little nervous and try to breathe more. And, and I, I have used that for the last 17 years that I've been rock climbing. And um, because I sing 
Bob Marley, three little birdies at my doorstep. My nickname now is Little Birdie. <laughs> that, that is so interesting. But um, I, I need it, it being being authentic and transparent. I need you to know that I am totally afraid of heights. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even like the thought of going up in an elevator. And so to, to see someone who does it every day, someone who acknowledges that, yeah, I have this little thing that the, 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 the left brain wants to tell me what I can and can't do, but I can still do it, right? Because it's the consciousness, that 5% of consciousness that's saying, okay, this is what we're going to do. And it's that 95% subconscious mind saying, danger, 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 right? So when it, for me, when it comes to the thought of rock climbing, it's like, I admire that lady. I do. And I admire anybody who can do that um, because I'm probably never going to do that. (laughs) But I think we all have, just to the listeners, I think that we we can all, metaphorically, we've all got mountains that we climb or that yeah. are too climb. And how we, how we think of them, whether we think this is doable or not, is really determinative of whether, in fact, it is doable. When we let that when we let our conscious mind tell us we can't, then we won't. Mm-hmm. So one of the, 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 for me, one of the takeaways from what you're saying is that you can't listen to, I call her my girl. My girl sits on my left shoulder and she tells me all the things that are going to go wrong, all the reasons why I can't do it. Everything, all the bad things. She never tells me anything good. She tells me all the bad things that people are going to say. She tells me all of the harm. Now, that is the subconscious mind doing what it is supposed to do, which is to protect you. And so I have to say to her, it's okay. It's okay. I'm good. I appreciate it. I understand. I understand that you're trying to protect me, but I don't need that right now. Right now, I'm going to move this way and go into the flow state. Um, As you were speaking, what what I was thinking is rock climbing is never going to be my thing, but I re, I'm an energy healer. And so I remember when I first started doing the energy work and my, my brain would be saying, you can't do this, it doesn't work. And I had to quiet it down because I believe that we are all connected. We, the divine energy flows through us and, and everything is possible if you not even believe you don't even have to believe it works whether you believe it or not right and so but I remember quote unquote uh doing healing work in front of people for the first time and people like to see me work because I go into flow because Mm -hmm. I and and they would say well how could you just come and touch me in that space I don't know. I'm just being led. I'm just allowing uh, the energy is flowing through me and I'm moving as the energy um, allows me and supports me to move. And I think that that's what we have to learn to do in all aspects of life. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's always signs. Just allowing yourself to follow the signs and Mm -hmm. They're, they're clearly signs our body gives us, nature gives us so many, and so many synchronicities. Now, one of the things that you, I'm trying to find my notes here because I don't want to get it incorrect, but you talked about the eagle. Tell me what I'm trying to say about the eagle. Oh, yeah, soaring with eagle medicine. Yes. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's the program that I have developed for women. And uh, I because I help women 45 plus is the age I came up with, but at really any age to claim their life of freedom. Mm-hmm. And, um, that means freedom from that girl on the shoulder. And <laughs> freedom from a conventional lifestyle from social 
constraints on what a woman can do as she ages. Um, because we have, there's a lot of ageism in our culture that oh, yes. at a certain age, you can't do that. And you're getting old and you have to be careful. And <laughs> you like, there's so many, it, it, there's so much um, against a woman having a life of an adventure as she ages. Um, and I believe it is possible. I, I don't talk about age because I believe but that by putting yourself a certain age, you actually, you, you put yourself in a drawer. I agree. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, uh, I don't know. I, some people say your age is your, um, you should talk about your age, Terry, because it's, it's your, um, your, your asset right now. But anyway, <laughs> I, um, the Soaring into Eagle Medicine, sorry, I lost the, the plot there, um, is about, I took all the characteristics of the bald eagle and these are markers that a woman gets or whoever would like to gets to practice. And the first one is eagle eye focus. Decide what you want and become eagle eye focused on it. And I help women get more focused on what they want and help them to discover what is authentic. What, they really, what, what do you really want? Is that what someone told you you wanted? Or is that what you really want in your life and what you want to create? And and I think that's so necessary um, because I, I really kind of, i not kind of, I do, okay? I believe that we come into this world knowing, knowing what we're supposed to do, not, not knowing according to a label like fireman or teacher or may, we may not know that, but there is something in our spirit that draws us. Um, if you look at little children, you can tell a lot about them and the, the type of quote unquote work they may do later on. You gave the example of being a life adventurer and, and beginning when you were three years old. If you look at little children before they have been told that they can't do certain things, then they will be doing that. They'll be doing the work. Uh, my godson puts things together. He makes with those, I can never remember what the little blocks things are, but he, he puts all these things together. He makes cars and trucks. I tried to put them together. I can make nothing. His yeah. sister is just so sweet. And all she wants to do is just love you, just love you. And she'll come and say, Granny Sue, I love you. Oh. He is a person who's going to bring... Whatever she does, it's going to involve people. It's going to be, oh, she's got a loving spirit. I think that to that extent, we may not know what they're going to do according to the labels that humans attach. But from a spirit standpoint, we come in knowing. And then the, then the world tells us you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do the other. And we began to take on the energy of the world. We began to believe not what we knew intuitively, we began to believe what they said about us. And so those are the masks that when you get to be a certain age, it's harder, they're intract more intractable. It's harder to take them off. But in order to, to, to fly like the eagle, in order to achieve your greatness, in order to, as my goddaughter says, go be great, you have to take those masks off. Yes, thank you for articulating that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I want women to do is soar like the eagle. And, um, and that also takes the quality of boldness like that's it, it it's not easy to take the mask off like that's and you that just keeps going at deeper and deeper and deeper level it's like the, the becoming who you really are it never stops but i think that in in order to in order to be great however a person defines great in order to be that, you've got to rip off the mask because 
whether we are conscious of it or not, we're always being bombarded with messages from the other, messages from outside. And so a major component of being great is returning to self. Rather than looking out at what they say I am or who they say I am or what they say I can, what they say I can do, I have to go inside and connect with who I am. Connect, yes. I like to say connect with who I be and, and, and get in alignment with source, um, source, God, universe, whatever, a tree, if that's what you believe gives you the, 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 the spiritual power that you need in order to navigate this earth plane. So it doesn't matter what you call this force that is bigger than you, but you have to go inside and connect this force in order to soar like the eagle. Absolutely. So important. Yeah. The, it doesn't happen in your mind. It has to come. It's in your body. It's in every cell. And that's a, that's an important part of, of pivoting is to learn to read your body and the where where things are stuck and ah, so the first time I heard Abraham Hicks I don't know if you know Abraham Hicks and my whole body like tingled and I'm like oh my god this is like this is from source like I felt it in my body and I I believe that's from um, a lot of hours of meditating and just feeling the body. Like I do um, Gawinka meditation and feeling every cell in the body and doing a lot of mind body exercises is so important to, and being able to observe the mind is crucial. Like to be able to step. When you say that, it reminds me of my initial encounter with Eckhart Tolle. And um, the encounter involved a book. Um, what is what is it? Oh goodness, what is his book? Power of Now. <laughs> the Power of Now. The Power of Now. And so I was in Barnes and Nobles, and my hand just gravitated to this book. And it was some years ago, and I bought it because I thought I need to have this book. And I got home and I started to read it. And I thought, I have no idea what he's talking about. And I, I put it on the shelf for a long time. And then some years after that, I'm in the Barnes and Nobles again, and I gravitate toward this book. And I say, I got to have this book. And so I bought, bought it a second time. <laughs> and so then this time I managed to get through I think a chapter and a half or two chapters. And I thought, oh, this is just making my head hurt. It's just, you know, I, I don't really get it. And so I put it on the shelf and forgot that I had it. And then I was in Goodwill, some, which is like the thrift store, some years later. And I this book vir- virtually falls off the shelf. And I buy it a third time. And <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. That's, my, that's my point that, when you are supposed to have something, you will have it. Yes. And, 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 and it doesn't happen always overnight. It doesn't happen in one fell swoop. But if it's something that source has for you, God, universe has for you, then it'll keep coming to you until you are evolved enough to receive it to receive what is there for you. It took me three times with that. But in, in between those years, I was constantly doing the inner work, doing mm. the work, reconnecting with me, pulling off the mask, ripping them off, having what I call the those breakdowns in order to get up, right? You have to break it down in order to... to um, in order to reconnect with your true self and be the person that you're here to be. So mm-hmm. I like what you're saying about the, the program for women that you, that you have in mind. Can you tell us, and, and we're getting short of time, but a part of your story that I found so fascinating was about the trip to the monastery and about the letter you received from the stranger. 
Yeah, this was a big part of the whole pivot. Um, so I had been on a trip to climb Mount Kenya the year before. Uh, and uh, when I got home, I got a letter. I had also stopped in Ethiopia because I was like, I got a free stopover in Ethiopia. I've never done, I don't know anyone who's ever gone there. I wanted to check out Ethiopia. So in, in that time, I met someone who sent me a letter six months after I got home and it predicted the date of my death. Wow. Yeah, and it was six months forward. It was supposed to be November 21st. Wow. And I, I remember thinking, well, this is, like one of my friends said, this is bull, Terry. And I'm, I remember thinking, yeah, it might be bull, but what if it is true? Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It, it sent me digging and um, it sent, sent me to a place where I'm thinking, well, what if I was to die in six months, what do I really want to do? What is it? And I had always dreamed of going to Tibet to Tibet because I was fascinated by there's the, the spiritual devotion there and the Dalai Lama and everything about it. And, um, and I decided I was going to quit my job and go to Tibet. So that's on major that, right there. That's pretty major. Yeah. But I yeah. think that if I were in a similar situation and received a letter and thought, oh, my God, what if it's true? Because you don't know. What if it's true? I would be thinking, do I want to continue doing what I'm doing or do I want to do what I have a passion for, what I've always wanted to do? So yeah. it's really brave of you to take that step. Yeah. Well, I, I'll clarify. I didn't actually quit. I asked for six weeks. No, I asked, no, I did quit. I didn't take a contract. That's right. I did quit. That's right. I gave up my security. And um, well, anyway, uh, to make a long story short, I ended up because the letter predicted I would get killed in a car accident. So I decided I needed to go somewhere with no cars. So I went to Sami Monastery, which is this beautiful walled monastery. It looks like a mandala from the sky. And I got there and times had changed and they allowed the, the Tibetan pilgrims, pilgrims to come in on these wagons that I called the, the tractor taxis. There were tractors pulling wagons of pilgrims. And, and um, I'm like, oh, not totally safe here because I was just going to meditate in the temples. And, and I'm like, well, I went to the hotel desk clerk and I said, where can I go where there's no cars, no tractor taxis? And he said, well, there's 300 monks and nuns living up in the mountains in caves above us. And I'm like, perfect, I'm going there. <laughs> so I, I, um, I walked up the mountain, avoiding all roads, and, and I'm going up the mountain, and I see these tractor taxis coming up on the dirt roads in the mountains. <laughs> the Tibetans are going, come on, get in. And it turned out it was a special holy day, and they were going up to the caves where I was <laughs> But I was like, no, it's okay, I'll walk. And finally I get up there and I meet this Tibetan girl who speaks English and, and she translates what the monks are saying to me. And they're saying, make sure this Canadian woman goes to every single temple because we want her to leave here with a good feeling about Buddhism. So I got blessed by the holy water from every single <laughs> temple. And I certainly left with a good feeling about Buddhism. And at the end of the day, it was really too late to walk home. And uh, even though I tried, my friends were like, don't be silly. Come on, get in the, the tractor taxis with us. And I, I went through this feeling of like, oh my gosh, I could die here. This is what the letter said. But I had an amazing day. And if this is how I have to go, this it was like a layer of taking off that mm -hmm. fear of death. I'm like, I'm okay with it. And we bounced down the mountain and we tipped sideways. And my back was hurting. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm like, this could be it. But I was actually feeling so happy. And the sun was setting. And, you know, I didn't die, but a part of me did die. You know, that part of me that, um, that went along with what society says you have to do and what my social circle said I have to do. That's the year that I changed my lifestyle and I started traveling each winter. I worked six months of the year as a, as a guide in the Canadian Rockies. 
In the other six months, I went to the places I wanted to go, exploring and rock climbing. And it was a birth of a, a new stage in my life. Mm, so there was a death. There was a death of the old Terry. Exactly. Exactly. Birth of the one that we see sitting here now. Yeah, who is able to put freedom into her life. And and uh, I've never regretted that decision. So really quickly, though, let me ask you this. Um, after your trip and you've made this decision to be a new me, how did what were the steps? Because it's one thing to decide, but it's something else to actualize it. How do you get from decision to transformation? Yeah. I don't know, the, it, it's a whole series of things. You know, the rock climbing happened that winter after Tibet. Then I left the partner. And then it's like the trust I got to practice from rock climbing and the trust that I got to practice from going to Tibet, all that trust, it just kept flowing. And I, I, um, I never really knew each summer as a guide, like where all my work was coming from. I just have a lot of mm -hmm. contacts and, and I just trusted that money would come. And I just been practicing trust mm -hmm. for many years. And um, that's part I, of I it. like that practicing trust because you do. And, and I think that so often we find ourselves caught up in the delusional illusion that we know, that we know what's going to happen, that we have control over everything. And that's a part of why it's so hard for us, I think, to move forward into the greatness if greatness means stepping outside of the comfort zone. The comfort zone is that box that we're in when we think, oh, I can control this. But the trust, when you, if you're going to connect with your greatness and really go be the great you, then what I hear you saying and what I believe is that you have to relinquish that, that illusion and really just step into a space of believing that I'll be taken care of. I'll be taken care of. Thanks for saying that so articulately. Yeah, that that's, I can't even remember what the question was, but that's the crux, I think, is trust. Yeah, it, it was, it was, the question was about once you made the decision to leave the old Terry behind, so you pivoted, and I, um, I wanted to address that because here on this podcast, we're all about helping people to become their greatest self but also doing so from a space of transparency and authenticity in terms of sharing that, yeah, every person can be great, but you got to invest in yourself. You've got to do something different than what you've done, right? If what you've done has not gotten you to the point that you want to be, then you got to do something different. And Absolutely. sometimes, almost every time, it means stepping outside of your comfort zone. Uh, I wrote something this morning that it's like, I, don't, I didn't know why I wrote it. It just did, it came. If you never feel any fear, you're either doing nothing uh, or you're interacting with the world from deep, deep, deep within your comfort zone. If you don't, if you never feel any fear, because being great, means that you don't know what's outside of the box, but you have to break down the, the, the walls in order to tap into the, the, the you that's on the other side. So we bring you from where you are to where you want to go, but in between is where you're, if you're, if you're like me, in between is where my girl over here that's telling me, the naysayer that's saying you can't, you can't, you can't, uh, that's where you have to learn to silence her and or say, let me give you something else to do as I go do the new me. 
And you even have to say to other people, if there are people in your world that need to hear this, you have to say to them, I'm not that girl anymore. Because many times people will react to you based on who they knew you to be. And that energy, as you're trying to move forward into a new being, the energy of who you used to be is trying to pull you back. Yeah. Excuse me. Often, my experience has been that the people who are doing it, many of them are your, your friends, your loved ones, and they're coming, they're not necessarily coming from a a place of ill will. Some of them are, but not all of them. They're coming from a place of concern for you. But the concern for you keeps you locked in the box of comfort. And within the space of comfort and the box of comfort, you're never going to push the limits. And if you don't push the limits, you don't know how great you can be. Absolutely not. It's it's such a, rock climbing is such a, so parallel because we can't improve in our climbing. You'll only improve as much as you faced your fear of falling. And anyone who is afraid of falling will never improve. You've got to be willing to fall to improve in your climbing and face that fear. And it's such an imaginary fear. Like you think you're going to die. And it's like, oh, that didn't even hurt. That's nothing. Like you've become skilled at falling. And yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. You, you can't, you have to push that comfort zone in order to grow. Mm -hmm. And I like what you said about the fear of falling. Um, We, excuse me, there are those of us who will never climb a mountain, not a physical one. We climb the mountains in our mind and we have internalized so many negative beliefs that we feel, we fear, fear failure. And we feel that the things that we want may be impossible for us to obtain. And one of the things I have had to come to understand about life is that there is no failure. It's all about learning. And what can I learn from this experience? And how can I use it to catapult me to the place and a space that I want to be? Yeah, that's powerful. There, yeah, there are no mistakes. No. So we we've done a lot. I totally enjoyed this, but I want to do this now. I, I want to um, I want to take you out a year from now. And um, you you pick up the phone and you call me, and I want you to tell me, given your pivot, given where you are now, I want you to tell me what great things and uh, what greatness have you embodied a year from now. So I'm sitting here at my desk doing my thing, and the phone rings, ring, 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 and it's you. And you say, oh, Dr. Sue, oh, Dr. Sue, I'm so excited. I am so excited. It has been a phenomenal year. Tell me what happened. Oh, Dr. Sue, you won't believe what happened this past year. Oh, so many of the things I had visualized have happened. Um, I'm, I did... Uh, meditation in the mountains retreat in Nepal with six of the most spiritual women Mm. and so many synchronicities happened to bring us together and they because of that retreat are soaring themselves now and my coaching business Um, I'm helping so many women feel excited about their lives. Um, Somehow I just ended up, after I talked to you, connecting with other people that connected with me with someone else and and things that I didn't really think were possible, like reaching so many women and helping so many people. They just happened because I followed the signs. 
I was scared. Like I, I get up and talked in front of thousands of people. I never believed I could do that. I didn't even know I had a message. Mm, now that's powerful right there. That's, that's pretty powerful. Uh, what I am finding, um, the message comes from your life, doesn't it? Yes. It, it, it's your story. It's, it's the ups, the downs. It is the, the knowingness, the unknowingness. It is the learning to trust, as you were saying earlier, learning to trust. And for me, even in doing this podcast, it is listening to what I am being given divinely. And the message has always been open your mouth and I will speak through you. And so I believe that the divine comes through in terms of reaching out to the individuals that I speak with and allowing them to reach out to the world. I'm just a facilitator so that the world can hear your voice. So I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited for you. Now, I want you, if you would, to share just a little bit. Uh, I know you've got a coaching program. What are, what are your services and how can people reach you? And I'm going to drop that in the show notes. Oh, yeah. I have a, a free uh, gift for your listeners. It's a little ebook I wrote. A powerful book. Um, five personas that are stopping you from your life of freedom. Mm -hmm. And I have my coaching program, Soaring into Freedom, using Eagle Medicine. And... I am also a hiking guide in the Canadian Rockies and do hiking retreats to go out and spend time with the eagles and the bears and the, oh. the nature there. And that's what I really love is, is taking people into nature. That is the most healing place I can imagine in being in the mountains and meditating and, and exploring who you are in the mountains. And taking oh, that sounds so good. Now, now, now. I'm not going to hang off the face of the mountain with you, but I will no. go hiking with you. I, I'll do that. I love nature and I totally agree that it is so healing. So listen up, listeners. Uh, if you are into nature and even if you're not, if you want to be, hey, reach out to Terry because she's got some good stuff going. And for those of you who are more courageous than I am, the ones, those of you who want to hang from the mountain, reach out to Terry because she can teach you how to do that too, I'm sure. Uh, so um, before we go, I always like to ask the listener, ask you to share with the listeners some sage wisdom or advice or words of encouragement. What would you, for those people who are at a point in their life where they want to do something different, maybe it has been knowing at their soul um, there is the quote unquote perceived reality that you can't do this, but the spirit is calling for them to step forward and to break down the walls. What would you say to them that would encourage them? Yeah, the, well, I would say if something is a little scary, but at the same time exciting, then you're on the right path. And there will be signs, and that's a big one, just being scared and excited at the same time that you're on the right path, but there'll be so many signs. Your body will know, nature will send signs. If you go out into nature, there'll be signs there. And things, if you allow them, will direct you to where you wanna go. And you will know, you will know, you will feel it and trust. And trust that intuition. So do you have a book? I always like to ask the guests, is there a book or books that you would recommend um, to the listeners that can help them or uh, share with them other tips and or steps to connecting with self and, and stepping into that space of greatness? So many books. Um, well, Way of Integrity by Martha Beck is like a course in itself, and it has exercises to help you dig deeper into who, who you are and authentically who you really are. Um, 
I like right now I'm really into trauma-informed coaching, Master mm -hmm. Kip. Um, his uh, Claim Your Power is an incredible book. Uh, I love Abraham Hicks. Like, <laughs> I just love hearing that her channel, Esther Hicks channel, Abraham Hicks. Um, I believe meditation is probably one of the most powerful tools that I've used to heal. And um, 10 day silent retreats will change your life. The, those skills are, are really, really amazing. Um, those are my, my top ones. Those are, those are really good. I, I like the, well, I like all of them, but I love <laughs> Abraham Hicks and I do the meditation. Um, I encourage people to meditate, to journal, get back to nature, whatever that means for you, wherever, you know, sometimes you can't get to it physically, but go within, right? I, I was at the beach last week and I recorded the, the sun rising, rise and the ocean. And so this morning I'm here back at home in the world of my reality. And I'm thinking, you brought a little bit of the beach home with you, right? And so you want to go back into that space. And I just played it and I was back there. And I think that we can do the same thing if for a walk in the park, for a walk, nature hike, record what you love, record what speaks to you so that when you can't get there physically, you can still do it. You can connect mentally and spiritually. So I have totally loved having this conversation um, and I'm looking forward. Let me make sure I've asked you everything that I wanted to ask, but I am so looking forward to receiving that call from you one year. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you just made me inspire me by the, what you said about follow your heart. That's my biggest, biggest belief. Follow your heart and the money will follow you. Yes, yes. Yeah, thanks for saying that. It's so important. So ladies and gentlemen, listening audience, wherever you are, it has been my pleasure to be with you. It has been my pleasure to bring Terry with you to you. Terry, thank you so much for taking the time to spend with us and share with us uh, everything that you've done It's and that you're doing and to to you are a source of encouragement for me and I'm sure you are for the audience. So thank you again. Thank you. I've really enjoyed talking to you, Dr. Sue. This has been, thank you. This has been another phenomenal episode of Pivot to Greatness. It has been my pleasure to serve you. I am Dr. Sue. Uh, I am an energy healer, spiritual life coach, greatness life coach. Uh, I am the founder, developer, host of Pivot to Greatness. On Pivot to Greatness, we believe that greatness is your birthright. Own it. Own it. But remember, it comes with a cost. You got to invest in yourself, not anybody else. The greatness is within. You get to decide what that looks like for you. Rip off the mask, take off the labels, forget what everybody's telling you. You should be, you should do, go within. Namaste. Last day.